Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Let's jump into the mailbag, Ryan, and it's not going to be a super long mailbag today, but we're going to get to some. So first of all, I wanted to begin with Kevin Horton. Kevin, thank you very, very much for your super chat. I always love super chats in the offseason because we don't get as many. So we always love and appreciate super chats, but we especially love and appreciate them in the offseason. ICURN with Irish Luck says, not saying Al Golden is Brian Van Gorder, but it would seem bringing in NFL defensive coaches to be our DC, it doesn't end up well. And the defense in the defense is too complicated for players to play fast, and that's with indie students. I mean, I mean yeah, let me just say I, this sure. Georgia also brought in an NFL coach to run their offense. Right. And it worked out pretty well. We've seen and we've seen college teams bring in NFL guys and it works. And we've seen them bring in NFL guys and it doesn't work. It's not so much the NFL guy part that doesn't work. It's can you make the adjustment to say, hey, it's not always about your scheme, it's about the kids. And then you get to like Todd Monk and what he's doing now isn't what he did his first year at Georgia. He built to this. Yes. At first, it was like very basic, get the fundamentals down, know how to block, know how to know how to catch, know how to run, know your proper technique. And then eventually became a lot more creative as the guys really understood the basics of what they were doing. So uh, I just I don't think I get where you're coming from, but I feel like just because Van Gorder was what he was doesn't make it an NFL problem. That was a Brian Van Gorder problem. Right now, without Golden, Ryan, I think we talked about there is a, a, a he was doing too much in my view. He probably he, but he wasn't doing nearly as much as they did in the NFL. Yeah, right. So it's kind of like okay, there, there's, there's obviously an adjustment period for him, and that's kind of what we talk about. Is it's not so much the NFL part; it's, it's about can you make the changes? And I think that's something we saw sort of after the Stanford game was we did see the defense scale down a bit, and I think a lot of it had to do with sort of Marcus Freeman coming in after the loss of Stanford, saying no, this isn't happening anymore. But then, of course, USC game it went back to, you know what it was before. And that's why we saw the defense take a step back because there was pretty good linebacker play after the Stanford game for the most part. JD was pretty good. Jack had some good moments and Marist even had a couple really good games after, after Stanford. And then we don't think about that as much, Ryan, because we remember, you know, recency bias. And the last two times we saw the linebackers play was against South Carolina and USC. And it wasn't very good. 
Yeah. And that's fair. So I don't think it's so much an NFL thing. It's just about, you know, those coaches have to understand that, that there's an adjustment. So there's always going to be that first year adjustment, but how quickly do you learn from it? And I think that's going to be the big key and the big test for this year. I, I also think that profiling like that a little bit kind of makes, you know, just kind of the takes lazy at times. I'm not saying this to ICU at all. I'm just saying that. Cause I understand I mean, like, where he's coming from. Yes. I, I, I understand where he's coming yeah. from, but my point is, is that just to say all NFL guys can't be successful is nearsighted in my opinion. Right. Cause it's like the same people in the NFL draft space that say there could never be a good Ohio state quarterback. Really? Yeah. Never. Like never, right. there's never going to be one that's good in the NFL. I, I think that that's because not every play, not every person's the same. Not every player's the same. Not Imagine if the, the Bengals fault. said, "Well, Jamarcus Russell was a bust, so we're not going to draft Joe Burrow." Exactly. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Not everybody's the same. Not everything is the same situation. There have been NFL coaches that can come in and run a really good defense in college football. There have been on the offensive side of football. It is possible. Brian Van Gorder, I think, is a harsh reality that sometimes guys get a reputation based upon who they work with and not actually what they know, right? Like that was the thing with Brian Van Gorder. He was under Rex Ryan, who's a very smart defensive guy. And people assumed that Brian Van Gorder is also a very smart defensive guy. And that's not always how that works. That's why I always push back so much in the NFL when they hire Sometimes, Brian, I feel like they hire these offensive coordinators who were offensive coordinators under offensive head coaches that called the game. And I'm like, but you don't know if that guy is an offensive genius or if mm-hmm. he was just under a guy that is an offensive genius, right? Or, so that's, or yeah. as a Broncos fan, did you hire a guy because he worked so well with Aaron Rodgers? Yes. And then you're shocked when he doesn't have Aaron Rodgers that he's not the genius you thought he was. I've never understood that. Well, this guy did great things with Tom Brady. But it's because he had freaking Tom Brady. This guy was wonderful with Aaron Rodgers because he had Aaron Rodgers. You don't have Aaron Rodgers. Or how a lot of or how a lot of the Belichick tree hasn't had yeah. really a lot of success as coaches. It's like exactly. exactly. You're trying to get the next Belichick when in regard, you have to understand the situation they're coming from, their responsibility, their profile, their right. their personality. Like so many things right. go into making a good coach. Right. So, Somebody made a point that that the Michigan last year brought in Mike McDonald to replace their former coach who was too complex. Yeah. And, and he didn't run the same defense he ran with the Ravens. He had adapted to what he had at Michigan and they could execute it at a high level. That's a great point. Joe Medina brought that up in the chat. That's a great point. It's a really good point. Are you willing to make that adjustment to, Hey, I got college kids. Let me hear. And here, because I feel like Al Golden went in in the, and this is a mistake. A lot. This is the mistake that a lot of NFL coaches make to his point is they put more on the plate and then say, okay, well, that's too much, and then they take off. I'm a big believer, say, come in, let's teach the fundamentals, let's teach these kids how to play. Then as I add more and more and more on, then I can learn what their what their volume is, their mental volume is, that they can absorb, process, and play fast. And then you get to the point where, you know, as you start to put more and more on them, you get to that point where the, it becomes a, a, a diminishing returns. Okay, we've now gone too far. Let's scale back. And whereas Al Golden put too much on and he kept taking like a little bit off and a little bit off till he event and, and but he never got to where they could do it all. You know what I mean? And I think that's why in college you start with the basics first and then build onto it. And then sometimes if you got smart kids, you can keep building and building and building and building and building. And that's cool. But you've got to have the foundation first. And that's what Nerdane was missing this year on defense. The foundation wasn't there. And I think that's honestly something that's going to end up benefiting the offense next year 
is how basic they had to be this year. You know, like duo next year is going to be a lot more effective if they have a very similar run game plan like they had against South Carolina, where they were running inside zone, counter, two different counters, inside zone, outside zone, jet sweeps, quarterback kicks, like all different types of things. There were so many different concepts. And now all of a sudden duo was just by the fourth quarter, they were just running duo up there. You know what's because they had worn them down with all the other stuff, but they got so good at duo and, you know, so yeah, it's going to be interesting. So yeah, I, uh, I want to just see him kind of say, hey, let's get back to basics and let's let's really not start over from scratch. That's not realistic, but just say, hey, look, let's figure out what these kids are really good at and then add on to it and see what they can handle. Yep. David M says, what are your thoughts and insights on the Jaden Rashada situation? Our incoming freshman really getting $13 million. Uh, we kind of when we had another question about that, too. And the answer, David, is no, they're not, which is why he's leaving Florida, because they're not <laughs> paying him the money that they promised him. Archer also asked a similar question. It says, what's your take on Jaden Rashada asking out of his NIL to Florida due to his alleged $13 million deal not being worth anywhere near $13 million? Here's what I'll say. I've heard people say, well, yeah. both of these sides look bad. I don't think Jaden Rashada should look bad at all. Here's, yeah. here's, here's the thing. Ryan, if, if I hired you to do a job, hey, Ryan, I'm going to pay you X amount of dollars to come, to come work for me, and you, you leave your teaching job, you come work for me, and you agree to come work for me, you've left your teaching job, you've signed the contract, and then when you show up, I'm like, oh, by the way, I'm not going to actually pay you that. I'm only going to pay you this. Yeah. What would you say to me? I'm Probably some words you can't <laughs> say on this show because this is a you know family friendly channel. Uh, but yeah, you wouldn't say, oh, that's I, I get it, man. All good. I'll still I'll still play. Right. Like, look, here's the deal. Jaden Rashada is from Northern California, I believe. Correct. Yes. He went to Miami because they offered him X amount of dollars. Yep. Right. This is a kid that my understanding is the background he comes from. I think I understand a little bit his desire to be more of an NIO oriented guy. I don't necessarily agree with him making that the only basis of his decision, but that's right. his choice. He decided to make it right. And he told everybody that got involved very early on, this is going to be the factor in my decision. It's been well known too. Yeah. Never hit it. Now, some of the amounts he would kind of push, but it wasn't quite that much, whatever. But everybody knew NIO was going to be the deciding factor. He was honest about it. No Which problem. is fine. Which is fine. Yeah, went to Miami for X number of dollars. Florida offered him an even bigger deal. He went to Florida. And then it was after he signed his NIL that they then said, oh, by the way, we're, we're canceling what we said we were going to pay you because we're going to, you know, for whatever reason. And there's been all types of rumors about how, you know, the agent said this and then, but the reality is they agreed to that number. And so why should Jaden Rashada be held to play somewhere where they basically lied to him to get him there. Why? No, Nobody in this chat, in my opinion, now I'm doing what I hate when people do this. So I'm projecting onto things onto people. But as adults, as business people, like I was talking to my dad today. My dad's a process server, right? That's the business he's done for years. I said, if you, if you came to some agreement with a law firm that you were going to serve all their subpoenas and they were going to pay you X number of dollars per subpoena, and then you went and picked up a thousand subpoenas at their office, at, at the courthouse, and you and, and they called you before you started. And they called you and say, hey, well, we said we were going to pay you 15, but we're going to pay you two. And my dad was like, I would take those subpoenas to their office and drop them off on their, you know, on the, the desk and say, best of luck serving these subpoenas yourself. Right. Because we made a we made a we made an agreement and, and you said you're going to do this. And now you're it's not like they said they're going to only pay him 11. 
and they weren't going to pay him anywhere close to that. And he said, screw you, because this is the only reason I came here. Right. So I got no problem with what Jaden Rashad is doing. And and honestly, I, I think Florida looks stupid, in my opinion. So Don't Don't I think they look stupid. And good luck trying to convince the next kid to you oh, know, man. take an agreement. You know, I was talking with that. I was talking to someone about that the other day, Brian. It's like, why would anyone ever trust Florida about an NIL number again? Right. It's like, that's not, it's just such a bad look. And that's further why I just have some questions about the Florida coaching staff and the regime that is there right right now and getting it turned around because I mean, that's a look right or wrong. The NIL landscape with how they, how they can manipulate it can help them get a lot of talent in the door, sure. right? It can. There's no doubt. Jaden Rashada was ready to come to Florida for it. But at the end of the day, if you can't give what you promised, like right. no one's going to believe well, you at And the other thing, too, is they had committed so much to him that they didn't have any to commit to other players, which is why they didn't right. finish very strong. So now not only did you not get the kids that you couldn't give because you committed the money to him, you're not even getting him now at this and point. Lost, and now, if you're Florida now, you lost Anthony Richardson. I think there was yeah. another quarterback that transferred. You have Graham Mertz coming in, and you don't have a freshman quarterback in the class anymore. Yeah, it's not good. Because, because of the Marcus Stokes situation right. and then obviously Jaden Rashada situation. Right. Like, you don't have – Yeah, <laughs> it's it's not a good look. And here's the other part of this too, Ryan, is number one, they should have never offered him $13 million to begin with. No. There is not a high school quarterback in the country, Arch, Dante, none of them worth anywhere close to $13 million. Not even close. I wouldn't pay him a million dollars. These are high school quarterbacks. I can give you a long list of talented five-star quarterbacks that they do jack in college. Yep. So none of them are worth that. That's not the point. The point isn't, well, he's not worth that. So they, you're worth, at the end of the day, you're, you're, when I say worth, I mean, they're not making that the, like if I sign you to a contract and I'm paying you X amount of dollars, it's because I think you're at the very least going to going to produce that much in in volume. In reality, sure. I'm thinking you should probably produce more. Otherwise, I'm not staying in business. If yep. I hired you, you know, to to work for me for X number of dollars, Ryan, and all you produced was X number of dollars, I'm not hurting business wise because I'm still producing my own, you know, content stuff. But mm-hmm. I'm not really helped a ton either, you know, because my business didn't actually grow, so I can't then use revenue to go do this. But I've hired you to X amount of dollars. You produce beyond that amount of dollars. And so then that allows us to do other things as a business, right? I mean, so but at the end of the day, your your work, your value is what people are willing to pay you at the end of the day. Yep. And and so the reality is, is he's not worth $13 million from the standpoint of he directly can guaranteed is going to produce $13 million worth of revenue because of what he does beyond what they were already doing, right? Because the collective is not the school. They're not selling jerseys and all those other kind of things. They're just giving them that money. Yep. And in that regard, the kid's not worth that in a traditional value standpoint. But he was worth it to the standpoint because they offered it to him. Exactly. And so they should have stuck to their word or told him a lot longer. They didn't just wake up two days after signing day and realize, oh, gee, we don't have the money to pay this kid. <laughs> or we're not going to. They knew. And so to me, you know what? That's what you get. That's what you get. I want to see more of this. I want to see more of this happen where these yeah. schools just look stupid. I was told by somebody that's, you know, connected with a college, with a college in athletic program that there's kids in basketball that are injured and not playing. But the reason they're actually not playing 
is because they were promised X amount of dollars and they're not getting paid. They said, well, you know, you should still play. Why? How many of you, if your business said, hey, next month I'm not paying, you would still show up and go to work? Hey, I, I know I agreed to pay you, but I'm not going to do that anymore. Or you go through a couple paycheck periods and all of a sudden, like, it, you know, hey, I'm not getting my paycheck. What what gives? Don't worry about We'll take care of it. Just keep playing. Okay, I may do that for a couple more weeks, but if I get to another pay period and, and the check didn't come, hey, buddy, you, you know, you agreed to this, right. right? You agreed to give me this money. It's not like I came on a full scholarship and I just then asked for money. And you said no, and I said, screw it, I'm not playing. I would crush that kid. would crush that kid. But that's not what's happening here. You offered a kid a certain amount to entice him to come to your school. And if you're not willing to own up to your end of the bargain, don't be pissed when he says, well, I'm not owning up to my end of the deal. I'd say that kid has a pretty good sense of how business works already, is what I would say. Sure. So I'm I'm not hammering a kid for this. Because Jaden never hid the fact that he was going there because they got to give him a big NIL deal. If if it was he he would have gone to Miami otherwise or stayed out west. And so no, he's not worth thirteen million dollars. No, but they promised it to him and they should have paid him it. And if they're not willing to do that or not able to do that, fine. Then let him out of his deal and he can go somewhere else. And then that's a message to the next group of recruits that you promise money to to say hey. Florida is not really a group that sticks to their word. Ugh. You may be careful about that one. Want to be careful about that one. And this is going to happen more and more and more because they're just – because honestly, I don't even know if they signed a contract. I don't know if there was a contract to be signed. Right. A lot of this stuff is just, hey, this is what we're telling you. And these kids it's, honestly are I – mean, but this this is a kid. This isn't some kid where they manipulated the family and the kid. This kid has an agent. Right. Which you're allowed to have. You're allowed to have NIL representation. So this deal got worked out. So there had to be some sort of agreement, whether it's an official contract that was signed or some sort of, you know, terms that will be agreed upon once he gets to college or something. There was some sort of agreement that was worked out through the agent that they said they're not going to pay. I just just can't understand how Florida let this get to this point. You know, like I just can't understand it because even if – even if somehow, and this is incredibly highly unlikely, that you would have pulled what you did and Jane Rashad is like, oh, it's okay. I'll still come play. How is that kid ever trust that staff again, right? Like how do they ever trust that school again? I just don't understand where you can't build trust in that way. Just in, like why would that kid stay in initially to begin with? But also if he decides to actually stick, why would he stick there long term? Like I just – it's such a lose-lose situation. I don't see how that could have ever gone positive for Florida. Yeah, it was bad. And we're going to see more and more of this, to be honest with you, especially with quarterbacks. Yeah. We're going to see a lot more of this. Yeah. John A. went with, with something here. He says the linebacker play is going to need to be at least good in 23. Can't be the weakness of the defense again. Notre Dame recruits the linebacker position better than any other, and their play needs to begin to match the talent. A thousand percent agree with that comment. A thousand percent agree. If got a question. I was just going to say, if the production doesn't match the talent, then there's an issue and you need to make right. a change. That's point right. blank to it. So I agree, as I've always said, if it's just one kid not matching up, if it was just Maris who didn't live up to expectation, be like, hey, look, he's just a – he was always a kid that was a little bit raw. Maybe he doesn't have a feel for the game. But when everybody kind of takes a step back, you're like, okay, this is a problem. Exactly. BK, 99 problems with BK1, how complex – we actually answered that earlier during the show. He's got another yep. one. For the sake of this question, let's assume the defense is a top 25 to 30 defense again in 23. 
can the offense improve enough to still be a legit title contender, or does the D need to be in the top 20? I would say this, Ryan. I think that the, the, the offense can improve enough for them to be a playoff team. I don't think Notre Dame can win a championship with a top 25 to 30 defense because that requires, to me, 2018 Clemson, 2019 LSU-type offense, and I don't yeah. think they have that. Like, yeah, I don't disagree. I don't Georgia's disagree. defense took a step back this year. They were still a top 15 defense in my view. Still a good defense, yeah. You know what I mean? They just weren't a top three defense like they were the year before. Right. So they weren't like a top 30 defense. I'm actually going to look up the efficiency numbers now to that one. But, yeah, it, I don't think Notre Dame is ever going to be the kind of offense that can overcome a defense that is 25 to 30, in my opinion. I, well, I just Because I, I think we need to temper our expectations a little bit in the sense that I, I don't think Sam Hartman's going to come here at Notre Dame in his only year and throw 39 touchdowns like he did at Wake Forest, right? Like, I mean, that's a different offense, a different – that's a different situation. That's a different schedule that he's playing against, right? I mean, you're hoping that he is very good in Notre Dame system and brings a level of consistency. And if that happens, I think that there will be a very good to excellent football team. But at the end of the day, I don't know if we're talking about historic team correctly, you know? So, Correct. Yeah. So, you know, to me, Ryan, I look at it and I say, I, I, I mean, I could see Sam Hartman combining for 39 touchdowns. You know, it's six or seven run. I mean, he had 11 rushing touchdowns, and he had 50 the year before in 2021. Mm-hmm. You know, he had 40 touchdowns this year, correct? 39 uh, passing and one rushing. I believe so, yeah. Would I be shocked if he got to 40 touchdowns this year? Uh, probably not, but it's going to be like a lot of little, like, five-yard touchdowns because teams are loading the box, and he's just pulling little bootlegs and throwing it outside. You know what I mean? Stuff like that. Like, But if he gets to 30 to 35 touchdowns, and he's throwing for 3,500 yards, and he's completing plus 60%, and he's averaging eight and a half to nine yards per attempt, this offense is going to be really flipping good, like yes. really flipping good. Because you know, the thing about him is is if you look at some of the, the numbers that Notre Dame had this year, for example, like if you look at Drew Pine, right, 64.6% completion, 155.27 passer rating, and all that kind of stuff. Those are good numbers that some fans and some people look to say, oh, he was a pretty good player, 22 to 6 touchdown interception ratio. I don't care about that. Average eight yards an attempt. That's really yeah. low. Yep. And the other part is it's not so much about the throws you 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 made, but the throws you didn't make. Not yes. the throws you missed, the throws you didn't make. And that was the bigger issue with the quarterback play this year. It was the issue with Ian Book. It's Ian Book had good completion percentage and had some years where he had good, you know, yards per attempt numbers and all that. Well, the reality is Ian Book's last two years as a starting quarterback, he had the same or worse yards per attempt numbers as what Drew Pine had this year. In 2019, he was 7.6. In 2020, he was 8.0. And the only good year that he really had, I mean, his best year was 2018 at 8.4. That's a good number. It's not a great number. It's not a you're a championship caliber quarterback number. You know, and that's, you know, that's top 20-ish. But it wasn't so much that. It's a lot of that production came from really good players that could go make plays. And so when I look at it, Ryan, and, and, and I see that kind of production, you know, Notre Dame ranked 37th in the country this year in yards per pass attempt. That's not terrible, but it's not the kind that's going to win you a championship. Exactly. And to me, that's that's where I look at it and say it, it's it's that kind of number to me that has to get better and, and has to be more effective and has to be more efficient. And yep. and if they can get that to that level, then then I start feeling really good about where this football team can be. And that's the number. That's the kind of number that matters to me. To be completely honest with you, I mean, if you look at the playoff this year, Ohio State was nine point five and Georgia was nine point zero yards per attempt. The worst was Michigan at eight point three. 
and that's because they were a very heavy run dominant team yep. and, and didn't have a very efficient quarterback play, but they still finished 24th in yards per attempt this year. So if he has like a, you know, close to nine, you know, eight, seven, eight, eight yards per attempt, and he's completing 60 plus percentage and he's a 30 touchdown, nine, 10 interception guy, 3,500 yards, this offense is going to be filthy because the run game is going to be there. Yes. And, and so, yeah, I think the offense could be a top 10 offense this year in, in effectiveness, not so much scoring because the defense is going to be different. Just the schedule is not conducive to that. The style of play is not conducive to that. You're not going to be running as many plays as other teams, that kind of thing. The point, however, Ryan, is that it'll be in a, a top 10 defense from an efficiency and effectiveness standpoint. My 38 is like you scoring 45 because we're limiting possessions. Mm-hmm. So the other team doesn't have any pos- as many possessions. So you start getting into the the really analytical minutia of you know points per possession, which is one of the analytic numbers that I like, actually, you know, because that that matters to me. If I'm scoring 38 and you're scoring 44, but you've got three extra possessions per game because you go a million miles an hour, then your def- your offense actually isn't better than mine. No. Because you need more. It's like uh, basketball. It's a great example. You got two guys that score that score twenty points a game. One does it on nineteen shots a game. One does it on twelve. Right? Give me the guy that does it on twelve. Right? Because he's more efficient. Yep. You know, and, and there's always caveats. Well, yeah, it's twelve, but that's because he shoots eight times more free throws. Well, okay, but that's because he's a gr- he's attacking and he's getting free shots. He's getting free. I mean, you're going to shoot. You're going to. I'm going to have a much higher field goal percent unless I'm Shaquille O'Neal or guys like, you know, like big centers, you're going to have a higher free throw percentage than a field goal percentage. So if I'm getting fouled a bunch because of the way I play, and I'm only taking 12 official shots, but I'm I'm going 9 of 10 from the free throw line every game, I'm going to be more efficient basketball player than the guy that scores 20 points a game taking 20 shots a game. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's just – that's it's no different in football, right? I don't care about the yards and the, and the points as much as I care about the efficiency of it and the ability to also be explosive. And if the D- offense can get that, Notre Dame's going to be really good next year. But they still need a top 15 defense if they want to win it all. And perfect example, TCU. TCU had a great offense this year. Great offense this year. The end of the year, the game where their offense faltered, couldn't win because their defense wasn't good enough to keep them in the game. Yep. The game where their quarterback just couldn't couldn't hit those shots and couldn't find those openings and all that other kind of stuff, they got blown out. Why? Because they weren't good enough on defense to keep them in the game. And and that's, to me, the, the difference here. And so when you look at this year, Georgia had the number one efficiency defense in the country this year, you know, and where was TCU? They were 25th. Good enough. It's not higher bad. I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, because they had a good defense during the year. I mean, they had some games where their defense played good football. They play in a league with teams that can score. But at the end of the day – they couldn't make enough stops. I mean, let's be honest. If they don't have two pick sixes, they don't beat Michigan. Because they couldn't stop Michigan in the second half. No. And so why were we surprised they couldn't stop Georgia? I just – the only surprise for me was that I thought they would score more. But their mm-hmm. offense was – like so Georgia can go to a game – perfect example. Defense against Ohio State plays awful. Ohio State's ripping them up. So what? why'd they win the game? Because their offense could keep them in the game long enough. And their defense finally made a couple stops late in the game, and they won because their offense carried them. you got to yep. be good on both if you want to be a champion. Being great on one side and just good on the other will get you to the, it's, it will get you to the playoff. 
but you can't be. And this is the thing is there's so many people that don't know how to have this argument, Ryan, the, the defense does not win championships anymore. It doesn't defense will get you to play. If you can't get to the, to the, to the playoff, in my opinion, in at Notre Dame, if you're not a really good defense, but you're not, they had a really good defense in 2018 and they lost by 27. They held Clemson two touchdowns below their season average and got blown out. Why? Because once you get to that level, got to be able to score. Yep. But you also can't be a civ on defense, otherwise you're TCU and you're Oklahoma. Right? But you to be a champion, you have to score. But the, the what's missed in that is people don't understand that we're not saying you can suck on defense. <laughs> Never said that. That's a silly argument. But you got to be able to score. And that's the reality of it. Tw- top 25, 30 defense doesn't get it done. Because if Georgia was a top 30 defense this year, Ryan, they score 42 against Ohio State, but they lose because they give up 52. Here's a question here from William Chesney. This is a good one. Hey, Coach, would you rather in this class, who would you rather have in this class, Ronan Hannafin or Brandon Hillman? So I'm going to say this. The way the class shaked out, if that was my option, it was just one, I can only have one of those two. I'm taking Brandon Hillman because of the need. Yes. Ronan to me was more of a rover on defense. If he was going to play defense and a really good wide receiver to me, Ronan Hannafin's the better, he's the higher ranked player in my, you know, my top two fifty. right? He'll be slightly higher than Brandon Hillman. Who's a better football player. I think a lot of people realize that's one of the guys that I think on three got right. They had him like one thirty nine. That's close to where I'd have him. Maybe a couple spots higher, a couple spots lower, but it's close. Ronan Hannafin, to me, when healthy, is a top 100 guy. But it's about putting a class together that fits what your needs are. Once you got Great House and Braylon and Caleb Smith and Rico, you didn't need Ronan Hannafin a receiver anymore. So then you look at defense. Well, you, okay, well, he can help you on defense. But Rover's not really where the need was. I think Brandon Hillman can play Rover. I flat out think he can play Rover. But I also think he can too. play safety. Yeah. Ronan's not a safety. Ronan would have outgrown safety in five minutes. You know, I mean – Am I wrong? If, if if he hasn't already, right? right. Yeah. I mean, you had always yeah. said you thought he was a will, correct? Am I am I like on defense? Rover, you thought he'd Rover grow into will. a will, right? Rover you thought he'd will. start at Rover. I thought you said you'd, he'd start at Rover and grow into a will. Is what I thought you had said. I might be confusing yeah, I, him with somebody else. Sounds like something, yeah. But that's not a safety, and no. they needed a guy that could play safety. So this isn't sour grapes. I love Ronan Hannafin as a player. He's a little banged up as a senior. I think he's a heck of a player. My point is simply based on how the class shaked out, if I could only have one of those two, Brandon Hillman fills the bigger need, in my opinion. Okay. And, and he's and I, still a really good football player, just not quite as good as Ronan, in my opinion. I mean, with how everything shook out, especially at the end there, right? I mean, you had a need to bring in another safety, and Brandon Hillman's skill set to be able to play so many different spots is a huge bonus at that point, right? Because you're like, if you can play safety, if things shake out differently at safety and maybe I feel better about what we have in the room a year from now or whatever it is this season, like whenever that happens, then he could also come down and play Rover if I wanted to, or if there's a injury on offense where he needs to go over and play. I think that the versatility is the big selling point because I do think that Ronan Hannafin's a versatile player. I mean, we talked about that, right? To be able to play a couple different spots, but I think that there's – not many players in the 2023 class that have as much versatility as Brandon Hillman. Like literally, if you would have told me he's a safety, he's a rover, he's a running back, he's a slot receiver, whatever, I would have been like, cool, sounds good to me, man. Like he could do all those things. So I think with how everything shook out, I agree completely with you. He fits a need. And I don't think that there's a 
I don't think there's as big a separation where it's like, oh, but you have to take the better, much better football player. Like, I think they're both yeah. very good football players. Agree. Somebody said down, Jason Smith said, uh, Talich fills the safety need. I don't think he's a t- safety. I think he's going to be a, a rover linebacker in a hurry. That kid, sure. that kid's a line. That kid, pl- this isn't about how he runs. That yeah. kid's got his disposition screams linebacker. He's like, going to be, if yeah. he never becomes a, a stalwart on defense, he's definitely going to be a special teams player. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. There's no doubt. Look, and we didn't talk about him during the show because he's a walk-on, right? And I need to yeah. see him in person and all that. But look, Luke Talich can play. That kid can play. That kid's a scholarship yeah. caliber player. I, I will not be shocked if he's – I will be a little surprised if he's on scholarship, if he's a walk-on for four years. I'll be surprised. Yeah. He's the kind of kid you're like junior year, sophomore year, some scholarships came open. Okay, let's get this kid. Yes. Brandon, you had a you had a story on on Jason Kia today, right? It's, Jason was his first name, or is it uh, Josiah? Josiah, Josiah Kia Kia today. Yep. To me, the fact that they're recruiting him tells me they want his brother back. Yeah, which then starts you kind of looking forward to that twenty twenty four season of okay, that's if if Kia, if uh, Kahanu is going to come back, that's kind of a two thousand twenty four commit already, a linebacker, yep. in my opinion. So something to think about there too, but. You know, there's so there's other kids not on the board right now that we're talking about that could be a factor some way, shape, form, or fashion, whether it's special teams, a linebacker down the road. But when you talk about Luke Talich, Ryan, yes, I think he's going to fill out pretty quickly. Yes. And I think he's going to end up being a linebacker, like a, a, a rover will type of guy, in my opinion. I could see that. I could definitely see that. Yeah. yeah. So I see that. Next question from 99 Problems, but became one. Should the future of the Notre Dame Rover be a linebacker such as Sneed or Ziegler or a safety such as Schuler or Minich? And if you had to pick who on today's team would Rover for would play Rover for you? So the answer to your first question is um, yes. It's a little of both, yeah. Right. Yeah, you yep. need you need both because in some games, you're going to want a, a, a Ziegler-Sneed. Like if I'm playing Georgia, I want a Rover that's a Jalen Sneed, Nolan Ziegler, Jeremiah Wusu, Koromoa type. I think that gives you a better chance of matching up against our linebackers, matching up their running game. If you're a 3-3-5, three, three, and, and what did Marcus Freeman do when he played Georgia? They didn't play a lot of 3-3-5. Three, three, they mm-hmm. had some different looks because they knew we can't play our base defense. We have to be able to go big against them. Now, Georgia's a little bit more of a passing team now than they were then. But the point is, you've got to have the versatility. You've got to be able to do both. But you do need, however in my opinion, the Sneed Ziegler type at Rover. You need the twitchy guy that's long and can run and cover, that can flip his hips and run on a wheel route, that can flip his hips and cover a tight end up the seam, that can drive downhill and blow up a bubble screen or a quick a quick throw. There's a need for that guy. But I don't need that guy as much if I'm playing USC. I don't need that guy as much when I'm playing NC State. I don't need that guy as much when I'm playing Wake Forest. I don't need that guy as much, honestly, when I'm playing Alabama the way that Alabama's been the last two years. I don't need that third linebacker against Alabama. I don't. Yep. I need a guy that can run and cover. And and so it just depends on who you're playing. But the point is, Ryan, there's teams where you need the linebacker. And so you've got to be able to do both, in my can, opinion. Can, can I say something to the safety conversation, mm-hmm. though, to play that rover spot? I wouldn't actually include Ben Minich in that conversation, though. I would say it'd be Schuler or Hillman in my conversation. Yeah, agree. Because – I, I think Minich is, Minich is a willing tackler. He can come down. He can hit. It's all good. But he's more of a on-the-roof guy, yeah, in he, my yeah. opinion, right? Like he's I want a guy him playing from depth. depth. Exactly. Yes, agree. Hillman agree. and Schuler, I believe, could be a huge asset in run support against screens, 
also play some man-to-man coverage against bigger slots. Yep. Like I think that those are the guys that I would rather have in that safety conversation. And Hillman has the length for that position. Yes. And that's what that's what I liked about him as a rover is he's so long. And and when I talked about him when they first got him as a rover, it's in the role that that you're talking about here 99, which is more of that that traditional hybrid player, not a linebacker. Yep. And and that's kind of what I saw from him. Because I would say, like, if we're talking about Minich in that role, that's more of a nickel at that right. point, right? And why would I put Minich in that nickel when I could just put a nickel out there? You know what I mean? Like, it's just, yeah, yeah. Agree. Agree. Here's a question for you, Ryan, because this is more NFL-related, but Jason Rose yes. asks, hey, guys, could Jalen Snead develop into what Micah Parsons was? Is not saying he's the same caliber, but I'm just talking role-wise. So I, I haven't really watched much Cowboys, so I couldn't yeah. answer this question. So this is all you, Ryan. So basically on a snap-to-snap basis, Micah Parsons is technically the starting Will linebacker because they have um, – number 55, Leighton Vander Esch that came out of Boise State a few years ago. So basically, Brian, they play him as one of the true inside linebackers. And then on, you know, from a snap-to-snap basis, he might also just come and play on ball as an edge rusher, right? Mm-hmm. So he kind of rotates back and forth. So Could is that a lot like, of like what you were talking about earlier? I mean, that's kind of what you were saying, a little bit smaller yeah. body, but what you were saying earlier with Jalen yeah, Seed, right? Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess, from a, I guess from a usage perspective, a little bit, Jason. I mean, I don't think it's the same just because – I mean, uh, so when I want to use Jalen Steen off the edge, it's more as like a, a late fixture to bring him up, right? Like they put Michael Parsons down as a defensive end a ton and just say like, you're our end on this play, go rush the quarterback. I want to use more Jalen Steen of like blitzing from different spots and coming off the edge a ton, working from depth still a little bit, right? Like I don't want him to play on ball like Michael Parsons does. So similar in the sense that you can use him, off the edge, you can use them on the second level and kind of sporadically use them in different ways in that regard. But I just think of how it's presented is a little bit different, if that makes sense. Like, I'm not lining up Jalen Cena as a defensive end on a multiple of snaps and just telling him to go. That's more what Micah Parson does. I'm using him to be a player that works from depth that could come off the edge, could blitz a B gap, could kind of come from different spots as that off ball linebacker. Sounds good. Good question. Very good question. Great answer, Ryan. Well, great question. Great answer. Uh, Jason also says, hey, guys, could you see Sneed? Oh, sorry. He did that twice. See, he he put that, but then he realized he didn't put the MB on there and did it. Very well done. Very Love well it. done. All right. Here's a, here's one, Ryan. Archer 452. Hey, Ryan, uh, who would you take QB1 in this draft? Archer, you don't want to hear this, man. You're not going to want to hear this because it's not CJ Stroud, unfortunately. It is Bryce Young. Bryce Young would be my guy from Alabama. I know that he has some size concerns that all, some NFL evaluators are honestly just going to nitpick and some will even take off their board. If the guy is a little bit more old fashioned in their view, just, just something about Bryce man with how he sees the game, with how he operates, with the anticipation he plays with, how he sees it. Right. And I, I, I mean, CJ Stroud is my quarterback too in this conversation and pretty clear quarterback too in this 2023 class for me. But I just think it's Bryce Young, man. I just think he sees it at a different level than who else, everybody else in this class. So it's Bryce Young for me. I don't think CJ made the jumps I hoped he would make this year. Because he, he was but... my QB1 going into the season, and a couple things hurt him. And it was more for college, not the draft. Yes. But not having, not having Jackson Smith and Jigba hurt, not having that slot guy hurt, because he's a, he's a kid that likes to throw over the middle of the field, and he didn't really have yes. that this year the way that he did last year. 
And not that they were bad, but they just weren't as good as Jackson Smith and Jigba. But to me, if I met Bryce Young in person and and I looked at him physically and measured him up and said, okay, I think he can handle the quarterback position physically. Mm -hmm. And he's my number one. But that's a – I mean, I just look at Tua – and look at some of those guys, and you say, boy, that's a that's a big concern. But then you flip the script, and like, yeah, but Russell Wilson was a very healthy quarterback for most of his early career. Jalen Hurts, you know, was able to handle it, and then, of course, he gets hurt later in the year. But that's my big concern, Ryan, is can he can he hold up in the NFL for 10 years? Yep. That's a, that's a legitimate – that's the question you have to have. So if it's close, I'd have to think about the other one. But, but Bryce, just as a pure passer, is – I mean, he's one of the best, just pure throwers of the football. And when I mean that, I mean all that goes into throwing, anticipation, reads, all that stuff. When I say a great thrower of the football, that's what I'm referring to, a guy that just yeah. knows how to, to throw it at beautiful ball, accuracy, power, knows where to go, throws with great anticipation. He's got all the tools. He's just small. And yes. I, don't, I don't think he's six foot, and I don't think he's 200 pounds. And no. that's my concern is can he hold up over a 17-game season in the regular season and then maybe have to play four more post postseason games? Can he do that? I have major concerns about that. I hope he can. But he couldn't even do that for a full two years at Alabama, if we're being mm-hmm. honest. He only missed one game this year, but still, I mean, he missed a game. So, Ryan, I, I don't disagree with anything he said, but I, I, yeah. I understand – why some people have legitimate concerns about a size. I really do. I can. And and ultimately I understand it too, from the sense that it's an outlier type of thing, right? It's like, is it becoming more prevalent than it once was? Sure. There's the Kyler Murray's now the Russell Wilson's there's more examples of it, but to your point, it's still an outlier no matter how you cut it. And I get that hundred percent. And I agree that it would be a talking point in the room. Right. He missed one game in two years and but one thing is that it wasn't anything like a substantial injury, right? It's right. like two. I mean, just landed on, hip, right? right? Like and, exactly. and concussions and all that, right? Yes, yeah. Here's another thing too that would then play in Bryce's favor. Bryce is not mm-hmm. a running quarterback. He's not. He He's is not. a pocket passer. He's more Drew Brees than he is Russell Wilson, or and he's definitely not like. Uh, Lamar Jalen Jackson Hurts and guys or, like yeah. that, Jalen Hurts. He's not anything yeah. like those guys. He's 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 Drew Brees with a better arm. I mean, mm-hmm. if, if I that's, if you want to give bad. me, an, he's a better, he's a more athletic, stronger armed version of Drew Brees. But Drew Brees was still a stout guy, you know. Yes, he but was. he wasn't huge. He wasn't huge. He wasn't two thirty, no. you know. So you just have to look at it that way, in my opinion. And I think he's, but I think the arm talent's special, and and. True. The mind is special. Yes, it's just the body. Can you hold up? That's it. Yeah. I'll tell you who it's not going to be. It's not going to be freaking Will Levis. That's for darn sure. Ryan, that one, I don't, I, Ryan. He's not a top three round quarterback for me. <laughs> I I don't disagree with your evaluation of him. I am very cold on Will Levis. I'm just, I mean, and it's coming out in the you know just the natural conversations happening now, right? But there's a better chance that Will Levis is quarterback one in April than it is that he's quarterback three, which is why the him. NFL sucks <laughs> with a quarterback. I get that's it. why yeah. you've got Tyler Huntley and Skylar Thompson starting, starting playoff games. That's why there's like this really good group at the top. And then a bunch of nothing underneath mm-hmm. it is mm-hmm. because teams keep drafting guys like this. 
big arm, big body, blah, 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 blah. He can't play quarterback at an elite level. He wasn't even that good in the SEC. I had a uh, I had a comp that not too many people liked a while ago on Will Levis. I comp compared him to Jake Locker. Yeah, and that's or, or I, an older person, Jim Druckenmiller is one ooh, for me. Jim Druckenmiller, yeah, huge cannon for an arm. Couldn't play yeah. quarterback. Couldn't play yeah. quarterback. The, the The fact that the NFL still sucks at quarterback evaluation is just like Zach Wilson's Ryan. That was so predictable that this is exactly who Zach Wilson was going to be. Yeah, like no college football fan is shocked that Zach Wilson is what he is in the NFL, but they convinced themselves he was something because he could stand on a knee and throw the ball 80 yards. Who freaking cares? That's also why you drafted Kyle Bowler in the first round. Like they keep making the same mistake over and over. Jay Henry just literally, as soon as I said that, Jay Henry just put that in the chat. Kyle Bowler. Yes, but off the delay, I guarantee he didn't hear what I said yet. But like it's it's exactly that. It's it's they keep drafting these big armed tall dudes that can't play quarterback. Yep. And and how anyone could look at 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 Will Levis and try and tell me he's a better quarterback than CJ Stroud. Now if you want to say you have your doubts about CJ Stroud as a pro, totally get it. Totally get it. And you can live in both worlds where you have right. some concern but also that's ridiculous. Right. Yeah. But right. here's like to me there's only one quarterback that I'd take in the top 10 this year. Top 5 this year. One. That's it. That's Bryce Young. If he passed my physical test. Yeah. For me, Will Levis is not a day one or a day two pick unless the only need I have on my team is as a backup quarterback. Right? Just not doing it. Not doing it. CJ Stroud, I got some questions, but in the right offense, CJ Stroud can be really good. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No doubt. But like in Sean McVay's offense, okay. Oh, sign me up. Sign me up. In Mm -hmm. Kyle Shanahan's offense, he'd be pretty good, but you know, Maybe not quite as good as you know. And then there's you know in the Baltimore Bryce, Ravens Bryce, offense, hard, Bryce hard Young would be really good in the oh yeah Kyle Shanahan offense. Yes, <laughs> he'd be very good in yes. that offense. <laughs> he'd be good in any offense. It just wants him to drop back and throw the football. I mean, true. He's true. got more scheme versatility to me than than any of the other quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Other than like you don't want him to go play for the Ravens if they're going to ask him to do what Lamar does, which they yes. wouldn't do. They only do that with Lamar because that's who Lamar is. That is who, yes. And they have to get backups that can do what Lamar does because otherwise they have to completely change their offense. Mm-hmm. So um, that, 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 yeah. that's what gives Tyler Huntley and Anthony Brown and Trace McSorley jobs, man. That's what yeah. does it. NFL, I, I still can't believe after all these years that they're not better at evaluating quarterbacks than they are. You'd think they'd learn, but they keep make, they make they it's like the same guy every year. It's right. It's because a lot of the decision makers. Somebody said Mitch Trubisky. Yeah, it's another example. You passed on Pat Mahomes. You traded up. Deshaun Watson. You traded up to pass on Pat Mahomes and Deshaun Watson to get Mitch frigging Trubisky. Yep. It's and it's not just one team. It's a lot of teams. They just keep making this mistake. Jared Goff being number one overall pick. Jared Goff's a good NFL quarterback. He's a good, solid NFL quarterback. If he'd have been drafted in the third round, his the perception of Jared, and this is true too, Ryan, where you get picked changes your perception. I know that. Jared Goff being the number one overall pick means people are just not, they're never going to respect him as an NFL quarterback because he's never going to play anywhere close to what you'd expect from a number one overall pick or a top 15 pick. Mm-hmm. If he was a third or fourth round pick, the perception of him would be, hey, he's a pretty good, pretty good football player. It's yeah. why I think people allowed Dak Prescott so much time to develop as a player. Because the perception was, well, that guy's a fourth round draft pick, right? Was it third or fourth? What was that? He was fourth. He was fourth. fourth. 
So you're going to give him more time where Kirk, Josh Kirk Rosa got rid off after same. a year, rightfully yeah. so. Kirk yeah. Cousins, another great example. He's a fourth round, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Where if Kirk Cousins was a top five pick, the perception of him would be a lot different. Oh, his first three years were bad. He never would have got yeah. another shot. So right. Yeah. So those are those are all things that you look at, but I just still can't believe that they that they still suck at evaluating quarterbacks. I'm telling you, it man, it's not even just mind. general. It's not even just general managers. The scouting world is old. Oh yeah, it's archaic. Oh. They're they look and they're like, he's tall, he's white, and he has a strong arm. He's good. Right. That's it. Yeah. No, it's they're the dudes from the, in this in the Moneyball scene. Yes. He's got a good face. He's got an ugly girlfriend. He, all that. How's he? Stuff. How's he hit? How's he hit? Yeah. Well, oh, he's not, it's got potential. <laughs> yeah. So you're, so you're saying he's not a good hitter, but he's gonna, you know, that kind of, I mean, it's just all yes. that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, like, I mean, like Brock Purdy was the last pick of the draft yes. and he wasn't great in college, but there's a lot of big armed quarterbacks. I would take Brock Purdy over every single day of the freaking week. And, and why is Skylar Thompson? The point about Skylar Thompson, not knocking, but Skylar Thompson is a gamer. He knows how to play quarterback. He's just not really talented. Right. Mm-hmm. But he knows how to play. Right. So, when all the dust settles, he's the guy playing, not some of these other big arm guys that aren't in the league anymore. And so I just I can't believe they're still so so bad at that. So bad at that. Anyway, here's a good one from Jimmy McGill. Who's your favorite commit personality wise? Christian Gray seems like an awesome kid from the interview on signing day. He's an awesome kid. He is. Sullivan Absher is a fun time. He's a good dude, man. Yeah, talking to him on the on not even on the show, but down in San Antonio, he is a colorful, just kind of like all shucks country dude. You know, yeah. he's, he's fun. He's a country he's boy. Fun. Yes. Sam Sam Pendleton might be it for me. Uh, I'd have to think about it. There's a couple. Very well one, spoken. Pendleton I love Jeremiah is. Love personality wise. Just such a yes. just a really in, in, interesting artsy like yes. really talented kid. Not even talking about football. Just mm-hmm. like a really. Like he's he can draw. He's just got all the. He's a really unique kid. Sam like Pendleton's yeah. Like Sam Pendleton's ability to to talk intellectually and about about things, and and sp- he's very open about his faith, but not in a way where it's like shoving it down your face. But also in certain other things, he's a big goofball. In other, I mean, he's so comfortable in in different settings. He's got yes. a really unique personality. I re- I really like him. Um, you know, I, I talked about Jeremiah Love. Christian Gray's got just a great personality, man. He's just a goofball, a, man. He's a goofball. Yeah. yeah. Drake Bowen's a good kid. Yep. I mean, they've they've got a Don Schuler is just like just always like like he could be you could hand him a million dollars and he'd be happy, but his face would just be like yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you for this. I don't think I can express to you how much this means to me. And he's being serious, like yes. he's really excited, but it's just like I would not want to play poker with a Don Schuler. Yes. Right. He has yes. one facial expression. <laughs> That's it. That's a good thing. It's not a, you know, so there's some really unique kids in this class. They're De- really Devin are. Devin Houston Bra- was a good interview. He was Braylon good James is another one. I love yes. Braylon James. I didn't get to know Jaden Greathouse the way that you did. Yeah. But, no, Jane, yeah. Jane's a really smart. Well, he's like a, he's a version of Sam Pendleton in the way that yeah. he can just articulate his points very well. He's a very smart yeah. kid. You know, who was one time getting to know down in, San Antonio, even though I didn't get much opportunity to get to know him in the process, is Brandon Vernon's got an awesome personality, yeah. man. He does. He, just, he, is he doesn't like, want to be on social media. He just oh. like go fishing or hunting with that kid, and you'll learn a lot about him. Yeah. I don't. I, I don't think I ever told you this story, Brian. But like a quick one for people out there is Brandon does not like the social media thing. Doesn't like the media thing, but he was very cordial all week because he understands that we're supporting him and we're you know doing our jobs type of thing. The last day though, it was after the game. Someone asked to to take a picture of him in his game uniform, and Brennan was like, 
I appreciate the support, man, but not today. Not today. I was like, that's awesome. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's funny. That kid's yeah. a trip. Uh, so that's a that's a good question, Jimmy. Good question. Here's another one from Jimmy that I, that I like. He says, uh, who, who is an Irish player who surpassed your expectations the most based on your projection during recruiting? I had Kyron Williams as one of the lowest ranked kids in the class. Mm-hmm. I did not. I thought he'd be a nice situational back, and that's it. He far surpassed what I thought he was going to be in college. That's the first one that kind of pops in my head recently, Ryan, is I, I didn't have much expectation for him as a player, and yeah. he was pretty good. He's pretty darn good. Yeah. One that pops in your head. Because you haven't really been doing this, like evaluating Notre Dame prospects for very long, you know, so other than just as kind of a fan. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to think of like something that there was like perception and then wasn't – can't really think of one because, again, I haven't really been like evaluating as much. I'm I'm honestly just trying to think of a recruit that maybe wasn't super heavily – Named. Jay Henry said uh, Jeremiah Wusukoromoa. I had Jeremiah Wusukoromoa ranked very high. I had him as with yeah. a four and a half stars, four and a half star upside grade, and I, you know, so he surpassed my expectations a little bit. But I thought very highly of Jeremiah Wusukoromoa coming oh, out. I, I guess one for me might be Cam Hart, if I'm being honest, right? Because I remember, because yeah. again, I didn't cover him. I was just like, he's a wide receiver, and yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> oh yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, uh, here's a couple last couple. And then we got to run, uh, call me Ty says, do you think Peyton Bowen didn't get his deposit from Oregon? That's why he changed his mind. I don't think so. I mean, and, and also like, I, I don't have much respect for Peyton Bowen, but I don't think that's why I don't think he wanted to go to Oregon. I don't think he ever wanted to go to Oregon. I think the only reason he picked Oregon was because he was, he was convinced to do so by a parent. I think it's the only yep. reason because the that's parent it. wanted the money. Yep. I think he, he, I just think he always wanted to go to Oklahoma, but he just had this really weird thing where he couldn't be honest with people. He didn't want to upset anybody. And in reality, when you do, when you're that way, you end up pissing everybody off and, and, you know, and, and then it just crushes your character. But no, I, I don't think that's why. I mean, I, for, I, don't. I mean, again, I'm not trying to bury the kid, but you met, you alienated the Notre Dame fans. You alienated right. the Oregon fans by doing what you did. And I'll even say, I thought Oklahoma fans would be very like kind of over the top on Twitter when that stuff all happened and you eventually signed with them. But even some of them were just kind of like, man, I just want to get this over with. Like, this is exhausting. Yeah. You know, like it's exhausting. Yeah. yeah, very much so. And last question, we'll answer this one quickly. Will C 2.0, mailbag question. How many years of eligibility would Kahanu Kia have when he comes back and uh, uh, and around how old will he be? I mean, he'd basically be the age of a senior, right? So mm-hmm. 21, 22, and he'll have three years of eligibility left. Now he'll have – so he, he actually played as a freshman – so he didn't redshirt. So technically he could be there four years. So they could bring him back, redshirt him, and he'd still have three years left. So he basically has four years to play three, essentially. Which which might be an interesting opportunity since he, you know, has I mean, I don't know how football shape he'll be in. Right? He's in Raleigh, North back. Carolina. So it's not like right. he's in like, you know, some yes. third world country where he can't work out. He's in Raleigh, North Carolina. There's plenty of gyms, there's plenty of fields to work out at. I mean, that's right. what people think when they hear Mormon mission, they think he's going to like, you know, this this uh, island somewhere in the Southeast Pacific that hasn't seen like, you know, has no technology and they self spirit. There's actually, you know, there's actually islands like that. I was watching this really fascinating document where they still like, there's like tribes in South America and stuff where there's still like spears and no technology and all like, it's wild, but yeah. that's not where all these kids are. That's why not where most of these kids are going. Like I've had kids on Mormon missions come to my house in here in Indiana. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like, you were knocked on the wrong house, buddy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because <laughs> we're going to have a conversation. Um, but uh, 
most of these kids aren't going to those type of places. And he's in Raleigh, North Carolina. So as long as he wants to be in shape, he'll be in shape. Now sure. there's not that's not football shape. Exactly. But he'll at least be, hey, he's in good shape. He's eating right. He's going to the gym. That kind of stuff is what I'm talking right. about. He's not going to show up 285 pounds. No. no yeah. I mean, unless he just doesn't want to do anything. I mean, but that I, I don't think Kahano Kia doesn't strike me as that kind of kid. Nah, uh, nah. To your, to, or he's not going to show up 185 pounds. That, that's, I think, the bigger concern, Ryan, is the kid somewhere where he's not he's not eating because or he can't work out and stuff. He's in Raleigh, North Carolina. He's, he's If he he's wants to work out and be in there. shape, yeah, he can, yeah. Be, he can be in shape. Yeah. So no, no doubt about it. So that's going to do it for today's show, everybody. Thank you all so, so much for being with us today. We're going to be back tomorrow. It's going to be mailbag time. So there will be no uh, IB Nation Sports Talk show tonight. There will be one tomorrow. They'll have their uh, rapid fire tomorrow. And we'll be back tomorrow at 1 o'clock for our Friday free-for-all mailbag. So be ready with all your questions. So definitely look forward to uh, to, to, to our Q&A, obviously, tomorrow. And then, of course, Sean and I will be back on Saturday for our deal, our RTCF show. So Thanks for being with us, everybody. Hit that like, hit that subscribe, hit the notification bell, share this podcast, sign up for the message boards at boards.irishbreakdown.com and check out all of our content at CFB Nation. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you again on the Irish Breakdown Podcast. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.